Okay, so I think I think we're finally almost almost an hour into the discussion here <laughs> to to talk about the movie. Um, and uh, really, in terms of the plot, you know, Lawrence is. Well, I I'm gonna, I I don't want to bleed too much of the actual Lawrence into this, but Lawrence uh, is. Um, in the the British Army, it's during World War One. Um, we obviously the movie starts with his death, but in terms of chronologically, uh, he's in the army. He's very much in the maps and stuff, and he wants to be involved in the Middle East. Eventually, he gets reassigned to go and basically be next to Prince Faisal and to uh, not get involved, but but be near. Um, he kind of oversteps his bounds a few times, but he shows initiative. He takes big risks, and in doing so, he uh, overtakes Aqaba, which of course I've skipped a whole bunch, but I'm doing that on purpose, and. Um, finds a love of the people and a love of the land, but then through making some really tough decisions at times and going through some really arduous moments, it is confused about almost whose side he's on. And again, this question of who are you? Um, eventually uh, he gets sent home and uh, the end of the movie comes full circle. Now I just wanted to get through that because there is, there is so much to fucking talk about. Um, so wow. uh, where, what's the, like when you think of Lawrence of Arabia, what is like the first thing that jumps out to you? Yeah, sure. And, and, you know, I don't want to overstate the, the, the fact that how, you know, excited and, and honored I am to be here, because I think there was an episode where you and Ian had, had brought up Lawrence and you didn't bring it up for, for long, but I don't remember what episode it was, but there, you could hear the joy in Ian's voice about, well, when we get there, you know, when we get to the Lawrence episode, you know, well, we can discuss that and that'll be great. And, I just remember thinking, oh, God, man, when are they going to get there? I want to hear that episode right now. So the fact that I'm here on it, you know, it is, you know, uh, it it's an honor. It's an honor to be talking about it. With, to answer your, your question specifically, when when someone asks me what my favorite movie is, my favorite movie is Shawshank Redemption. That's I, I answer that very quickly for a number of reasons. But when they ask me what I think the greatest movie ever made was, the first place I go is Lawrence of Arabia. And the reason I say that is is just that every element of movie making that you could that you could wish for, want for, put on the table and ask of a movie is done. And it's not just done. It's done at it with with Hall of Fame accuracy in, in this one. And listen, there are chamber pieces where it's all about the dialogue and you don't need the, the grand scope and all that. But this one does everything you might possibly need, and it does it all well. From this, from the editing to the screenplay to the sound to the cinematography to to the set pieces, the directing, the acting. There is no missed beat to this movie, and I, I just think it checks off every box that there is to be checked. So that's why I would go here first when someone asked me what I thought the greatest movie ever was. So um, I did this bit once before on uh, last year to end out our season. We did a decade by decade celebration of film and when we got to we started in 1920 and we went a uh, decade uh, at a time and then when we got to 1970 we did five easy pieces and on five easy pieces i made this dumb it was like hey i have i want to talk about these five famous set pieces from the movie and that was what i did um so part of the um material that was adapted to make this was from his book seven pillars of wisdom so i had this thing seven things i have to talk about on the episode now we've already right. we've already knocked off two of them. That was uh, my my piss poor initial viewing experience of this movie and uh, Peter O'Toole versus Gregory Peck. So the third thing I'd like to get to because I 
I think this is one of the things, if somebody were to ask me about the movie, I think my, my, not my hot take, but my first thing that I would say is that I think that the cinematography, which is phenomenal, overshadows what I think might be its best technical accomplishment, which is the editing. Now, I don't just mean the blowing out the match into the sun of the desert, which is, which is amazing and is actually going to make a list on an upcoming episode, but I with so many oh. lists. Okay. I mean, we love lists, but we, so we got to stop. Um, but um, I, I watched a couple of the featurettes on the, on the Blu-ray and um, listening to Anne V Coates talk about how much she was influenced from like the French new wave. And not only in the terms of, of these hard cuts, but this idea of, and, and it happens a few times in the movie where you start to hear the sound of the mm. next scene before we get there. And I think I think the earliest one we hear is the sound of the people walking in St. Paul's Cathedral before we actually see his um his his statue there. And it happens again and again and again throughout the movie. And again, uh uh F. A. Young's cinematography is is fucking it's it's incredible. It's incredible. And I and I, I honestly did not appreciate it until this watch, watching it on a good TV on 4K. But I think that the editing is the thing that really holds this mammoth long movie together. Oh, absolutely. And you'll hear it also with the train. I think there's a couple shots of him and then you hear the train coming and then you'll see the train. It, it And there's a, there's an important thing to remember here too is that David Lean is an editor first. He broke in as an editor. Yep. And his, so he's, I believe he was the editor on about six or so movies before he started directing. And he edited his first two or three movies before he, he moved on to get a sauce. And he actually edited his final movie, Passage to India, as well, and got the Oscar nomination for that, too. So many think that his greatness as a director comes from his ability to look at it as an editor. And and there's in, in talking about Lawrence Rebe, he even said himself, that he would view scenes and view how they started and how they ended. And that's how he would implement his actions and his cuts. So, you know, and, and while, and while uh, Ann Coates did a, did a tremendous job putting it together and she won the Oscar for it, it, it is, it is all about the David Lean vision to start and, and approaching this as a, an editor's director. Oh, Oh, for sure. Um, so I, 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 and you said that you reminded me that he was an editor. It, it made me remember that in part of the research I saw that um, in one of the earlier showings, uh, one of the reels was flipped and everything that was supposed to be left to right was right to left. And it didn't get noticed for a while. So in some of the initial releases of the film, it was that way. And it wasn't until later when they were doing the restoration, they noticed that. And I got, I have to imagine that of the, of, I'm sure of the many things that Lean beat himself up on over the years, not catching that sooner has to be something that he just like it probably kept him up at night just thinking about how the fuck did I not flick get that flip the right way <laughs> um sorry that's I just that that's definitely something that I, I had to bring up um but yeah that and the thing about and and this movie has a lot of great subtle um plants that get paid off later on in the movie and um one of them is just earlier when he's when he when he lights the match the first time we see him around the map and um, he lets it kind of burn out on his finger. And, you know, with the cold that, you know, the, it, the, the, the whole purpose is, is that it, you, you don't mind that it hurts. And so 
when we have that scene after, basically after he's been reassigned to Dryden and then he's going to go out there, he's like, it, it'll be fun. And um, Claude Rains is like, you have a weird sense of fun. He's like, no, no, Dryden, it'll be fun. And we see the match out there. We're expecting that it's, he's going to let it burn out. And then it's it's not just the cut, but it's the sh- it's the surprise that he blows it out, and just how well that works. And you know, you know, a movie is either going to be really bad or really good when you can talk about the editing in such esteem. It's either like most movies yes, suck, so yes. all I have is the editing to talk about, or it's just it just adds to it. And and it's also it's it's such a great moment of the editing giving way to how great the cinematography is because and the score. Mm. We haven't talked about Morjar yet. Um, but uh, when the sun's kind of rising, 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 and the, the score is just kind of humming underneath it until the sun is up and we get that big Lawrence theme, I mean, that is like that is quintessential epic movie making in that moment. Yeah, and, and the blowing of the match, not to just to, – to, you said it perfectly, but I just want to just point out too, it's, it's not just the passage of time, but the passage of, of distance too yes. and, and location – and to do that with just a, I mean, who would think of that without seeing it? You know, it takes it takes a genius mind to think of something like that. Yeah. And to to just or to just now we're going to transplant you in another time and place, and uh, just just genius stuff. Oh, for sure. Now uh, that kind of gets us into um, uh, Lawrence being in the desert and having the guide. And I know you uh, you were referencing the scene at the the well, right? With uh, mm-hmm. with Lawrence, and then when when. Uh, Ali comes into play. So I, I wanted to give you yes. a little, a little, little room to talk about, to talk about that scene. Sure. I mean, I think it's my opinion, one of the greatest entrances of a character that you'll ever see. And it's done in that, uh, that it's done in a long take. It's not, they do cut to the, they do cut a few times to the reactions of, of Lawrence and the guy, yes. but it is filmed in one long take. And that's into the, into the mirage and capturing the desert mirage and Sharif Ali just gradually appearing and then getting closer and closer. And that, that, that long landscape that you see and him getting closer and closer and, and then, and then the reactions and then the run to the gun and then the, the exchange that they have at the well afterwards, just, I mean, that to me, the first time I saw this movie, that was the scene I kept going back to in my head as to, Whoa, this is, this is why this movie is considered as great as it is. Yeah. Um, and it's it's great too because the the way in which that uh, Lawrence and Ali interact in that scene is such a great plant for when we get that little kind of surprise entrance of of Ali in the tent uh, with Faisal, where now now he's there and Lawrence kind of has that moment of ah oh, fuck it's that guy it's the guy I had that yeah. running with earlier. Uh, Ooh, this is awkward. Which is great, and it's and it's it. This movie also has some some moments of levity too, which is which is which is great because you need it. It's long, and and if it was just all the heavy stuff, um, it would be too much. I mean, we get it, and I, I it's unfortunate because we get most of it at the beginning, especially when it's like it, it's my mana, sir. My man, yeah. I'm not. It seems like I'm insubordinate, but I'm really not. Oh, it's so great. That's it's great. Um, you're a clown. You're a clown, Lawrence. Well, we are, we can't all be lion tamers, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's and it needs to be said too. It's like these guys are out there doing their own riding too. They're learning how to ride these camels. And and it. I was listening to Sharif Ali talk about uh, uh, about this. Um, sorry, Omar Sharif. I was listening to Omar Sharif talk about this movie. And in those shots in the distance where it's supposed to be Lawrence and Sharif Ali, and you just see two camels in the distance, that's not two extras yeah. pretending to be like, that is Peter O'Toole and that is Omar Sharif. David Lean wanted them out there in the distance 
because they wanted them to feel isolated and to feel what the journey was with all that. And, and, you know, that's something you just don't always think of when you watch movies, you see someone business like, ah, it's probably some extra or whatever. It's like, no, no, that's actually the actors. That's the talent out there doing it during a stampede. They rode that stampede. They didn't just have, have stunt people in there for it. Well, and it, so this yeah, is, this is the worst, this is the worst thing I could ever reference on a, on an episode of Lawrence of Arabia. But, uh, the other show I do with my wife, <laughs> Below Freezing, uh, we just recorded an episode, uh, which isn't going to come out for a while, but we just did Bad Boys 2. And, um, oh, boy. There are so many scenes, there are so many moments, so many bad edits where it is so plainly obvious that it is not Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. I mean, it's really <laughs> bad. It's really bad how many times throughout you can tell it's not them. And that's a, But that's a great thing to bring up, not just in terms of the the recognition and the and that they did it but like again as an as an actor myself like put me in there i mean i i i said this to ian once like my best experiences as an actor is when i don't get to go off stage when i'm constantly doing things i'm i'm more into the scene i'm listening more i'm interacting more with my with my with my scene uh, my scene partners and like i i give so much and 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 then on top of the fact that they're riding camels and they're in the middle of the fucking desert, like you put all of that together and the dedication that these people had. And, and so when you hear that after most shoot dates, they just got drunk, uh, you go, well, sure. But also like, yeah, you fucking earned it. I mean, you really did. Yeah. And, and just the pressure of, I mean, as a stage actor, I mean, you guys have to have to get it, get it right the first time, every time. But in, in talking, listening to them talk about the sand and how they needed the sand to be pristine in these shots. So you couldn't retake shots in the same location that you just took them because there'd be, there'd be hoof prints all over the place. And you needed this just open, open desert where the sand is undisturbed. They talk about like oh, the, the concession stand paper cups will go flying yep. out and they're like, oh, I got to go get that paper cup 20 feet away. But how we got to step out there to get it? Now we got to rake the sand. We got it's little things like that you don't think of in, in how big of an undertaking it is. And unfortunately, today so much of it just gets checked off with just quick CGI or yeah. let's just green screen it. Uh, without a doubt, my unsung heroes of the film are all of the PAs, all of the crew that had to go out and fix the sand and get cups like. Every, like, and that's the thing too is like so many people are properly sung throughout the movie that it is all of those people doing the grunt work that actually actually it's it's those people and Lawrence's camel those are the unsung heroes <laughs> of this I took one of my notes as I uh, we I, I'm we're, I know we're all over the place but when when Lawrence goes back through the the sun's anvil because we've lost Gassim, um uh oh, what a scene and and we've already been told that like if the camels die, we die. The camels aren't getting water until we get there. And then Lawrence turns around. I'm going, yeah, that's that's tough for Lawrence. But what about your fucking camel? And like when they come back, everybody's crazy. Lawrence, I'm like, somebody better fu- fucking clap for that camel because the camel carried two people back and also hasn't had any water. It should be Lawrence of Arabia or the story of a strong camel. That's the subtitle of this movie. Wow. And to just to just double on top of that and really emphasize your point. I don't know if you read this, but in the in the filming at one point during the charge scene, Lawrence fell. And he didn't get run over because his camel saved him. He stood over him and protected him from the stampede. That cow, you're you're onto something with that. That camel really was the the true. He should have been on the top 10 heroes list. Fucking A. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, okay, so uh, let's let's bring up. We're gonna go to one of the uh, another another one of the seven things I want to talk about because I know you've mentioned this uh, specifically. I know on your your Argo episode and your Braveheart episode, and that is this idea of historical accuracy. Um, now, now this is uh, both in terms of like they. Some of the characters are compilations of a lot of characters. Others, like uh, Abu Dai, and um, I want to get the name right. So let me let me let me let me look at this first. Uh, General Allenby were like rural people whose families weren't necessarily thrilled with the way that their characters were represented on screen. Um, and then there's the fact that you know part of this is based off of Lawrence's book. In which case, obviously, if you're writing your own history, you're going to make yourself sound good. But then also, and this is also kind of another thing that leads with that, is this whole idea of Lawrence's sexuality and uh, mm -hmm. unconfirmed reports that he might have been gay um, and who who the book was made out to and how that person may or may not have been somebody in his life. Um, so, you know, does, in a movie like this, I mean, you know, Braveheart, Argo aside, and, and all the other films too, like for this movie specifically, how much of the historical accuracy accuracy thing is a is an issue or non-issue for you yeah and, and my stance on these is always if your goal is to deliver themes and to live deliver substance within your story then don't let the facts get in the way of that good story and robert bolt made a decision here not only with for, forget about the, the people's personal lives but with the history of the actual war, and one of my one of the things that I remembered after my first viewing was, wow, what a cool story, what a what a great character, what a complicated character, what an interesting narrative. But I don't know shit about World War One. Like I don't I don't have no idea what they're fighting over or what this is about. I yeah. gotta like get a history book. I'm like totally ignorant and stuff. And then I did a little looking into it, and the original script of this was way closer to a historical retelling of the conflict between the Turkish army, the Germans, the British, the, the, um, the Saudi Arabian army, and, and all the factions and all the intertwined. And then they just, whoa, 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 this is, this is way too confusing for a three-hour three plus movie. Let's make this character-driven. And Robert Bolt came in and made that decision to make this a character-driven movie. And he is my unsung hero. Is Robert Bolt in this? He's one of the one of the Oscars that they didn't win. They won seven of the ten. He was the adaptation was that lost to Gil Mockingbird. Yeah, but it, which uh, that probably wasn't going to end up any other way. That's the famous <laughs> book. That's going to go that way. So that's fine. I'll, I'll I'll give that one. But to make that decision to not get bogged down by the history of the war and the struggle between all these different factions in an, in in a struggle where the factions were probably all confused themselves as to who they were fighting. Yeah. To make this a character driven story was what makes this a movie we're talking about today. And while it probably just based on the technical achievements of it is probably in something like a book of 1001 movies, you must see before you die. I don't know if it's on the list of top 10 best movies ever made. And I think the complications of the really what's amounts to a bit of a fictional character on screen. And it is based on, on the writings of the real person and people call his writings fictional yeah. <laughs> and it's his depiction yeah exactly of it. Like a, exactly yeah yeah so it it so to to, to answer to answer the question simply is i don't need general allenby's life story in every movie that i see it's just not important to me i'm sorry it upset his family that stinks you guys talked about this on your on your elephant man episode 
about the 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 heel and the elephant man actually was like the guy's mentor. Yeah. You know, that sucks a little bit when you when you actually were a hero and you get made a villain. Yeah. But David Lynch has to create a, a story worth telling and a narrative that's going to be interesting on the screen. And people aren't necessarily going to the movies to watch David Lynch do a biopic on the elephant man. You know, they want they want an aesthetic story. And that's that's what that is. That's what this is. So, yeah, I, I just know. And there were there were two in doing the research. And Jesus Christ, there's a lot of research on this. Um the, oh, yeah. the two things that came to mind, the, the first brief one was like the the height difference that Peter O'Toole is a very tall oh. man and that the real Lawrence was short. Like And like, cool, great. I, I don't give a shit. Um, but the other but there was something that I was uh, I found out about the real Lawrence, just how much of an adventurer he was when he was a kid. Um, that he was like when he was like 13 or 14, he like took a bike and toured all of all of like the castles in England. And then when he was 17, he toured all of the castles in Europe and then decided that he wanted to go to the Middle East and tour like the castles around like like modern day Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia and was told like, well, you can't do that on your own. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to do it on my own. And so um, there was a bunch of really cool shit that I found out after the fact, like Lawrence was never really in the army. He kind of tricked his way into the army because he was essentially an expert on the area, but they wouldn't get him in the army uh, because because the real Lawrence was too short. So basically, and there's a whole lot to go, but he basically tricked himself in as an aide because he knew the region more. Now, I will say that the movie doesn't really give us a lot of information in terms of how he just is able to all of a sudden be with Dryden and, and get out there, um, which doesn't really bug me that much. But that was one of those cool things where, like, after the fact, doing a little bit of reading and going, oh, the real Lawrence really knew his shit. And that, like, when he's quoting the Quran in the movie and, like, giving this information to Faisal, it's like, it's not just an arrogant man giving it. Yes, he is an arrogant man, but it's an arrogant man who knows his stuff. And that's a different thing. And so if if you can if you can trust inherently without knowing that information that Lawrence knows the region... I think it fixes one of Bosley Crowther's problem, which is that we don't know a lot about Lawrence and maybe we don't, but it, it is out there. Well, I, you know, then I want to pose the question too, is, is the, what is the goal of this movie? Is this, is the goal of Lawrence Arabia to educate the viewers on the life of T.E. Lawrence, or is it to, to deliver a character study of, of a, and, and, and deliver themes. And to me, one of the main themes of this movie is not just identity as we brought it before, but the characteristics of leadership and what it takes to be a leader. And one of the main points that they drive home in this movie is that in order to lead people, particularly people who are undermanned, uh, do not have the proper technology and are, are in terrible positions to succeed, you have to convince them that they are doing what they are, that they are going to do what they are physically incapable of doing. And that's what, that's what, you'll see it throughout military all the time, throughout sports all the time. It's whether it's the 300 at the Thermopylae or it's the New York Giants beating the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. Woo. Uh, It it is, this movie drives home and and there's this scene where they're, you know, it's a whole, nothing is written. Nothing is written. And there's the scene later on after they've already, they've taken, they've gone through the Sun's Anvil and which everyone said was impossible and they've, they've, uh, Taken the taken the um, Aqaba. They've yes. taken Aqaba, but later on, there's a scene with Omar Sharif and and Lawrence in the cave, and he goes, you know, 
you got these guys thinking th- that you're some kind of prophet or you- you're going to, you know, that, that they can do things that they can't do. And Lawrence goes, that's absolutely right. Who are you to say what can be done? Who are you to say what can be done? And then he goes out and says, who will walk on water with me? Now that's at the point where his egotism has reached a state of, of it, we're, we're now in Icarus mode here. And yeah. that's when he's going to now crash when he gets into, he goes in and literally thinks that he can, as, a, as an Englishman can walk into into a Turkish town and no one will notice that he's white because that's how convinced he is that he can do this mission. That's so much more interesting to me than going through T. Lawrence's background and him being employed as a spy and him spending years in a camp. Like, are you, are you, is this a biopic or is this a character study? And uh, I, I just, I'll just fight the end of it all the time is give, deliver me themes, deliver me characters, deliver me story. Yeah, no, uh, hard to argue that. And uh, again, I think for the people out there who are seeking that information, there's there's plenty of places to find it. And I all I think I I all that additional research I think does for like for me. Um, and, and then again, I I totally dig movies, and I I like doing this kind of stuff. Is that it gives me more context. So whether or not it's historically accurate or not, it's fun to kind of see, oh, here's what they changed. Oh, they, they did that. It doesn't make me underappreciate or go like, oh, they really screwed that up. It's just like, oh, I get it. You know, like T. Lawrence knew his shit. That's part of the reason why he was in the Middle East. Cool. I don't necessarily need the movie to tell me that because you're right. Because it is about this guy's journey to try to essentially try to find who he is. And I think, you know, all we need, like, we just need little bits. We need that little bit with uh, Ali, where he's like, "What was your father's name?" Oh, it's Chapman. Oh, you'll 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 become a sir too. No, he wasn't married to my mother. We we only need like ninety seconds of dialogue to get a lot of like ah strained relationship with dad, unsure of who he is. Okay, we get it. He's got something to prove, but to who? Who are you? Who are you proving it to? Exactly, exactly. We don't need we don't need to see him. We don't need to see him have a like a, an argument with his dad when he's ten. You know, we just we just get it. Yeah. And for anyone who who likes the movie and, and is also confused by the history of it, 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 it is interested by it. I you can go to YouTube. History Buffs does a, a thing on Lawrence Arabia and it's very pro Lawrence Arabia, too. So they're not like nitpicking the height and saying, well, they did this and they yeah. did that. They go through the facts and what they got wrong, but they do it in a very positive light. And it's just interesting to hear about the train line and what the Germans were trying to accomplish through Turkey and, and why uh, why Aqaba was so important. Uh, to getting to Damascus and and why all of that why all of that more because the movie doesn't do intentionally doesn't focus on on the whys as far as the military tactics go yeah. it's more as as the hows and 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 the whats yeah yeah um so yeah cool I mean just just chugging along uh uh so like what's the what's the next thing that you like if I was to say this was the last thing you could say you could say about Lawrence of Arabia what's the like what's the another thing that you have to get out. Okay, I, I do because we brought up we've brought up identity a few times here, and then you mentioned a little bit about his father too. And I I, I don't want to just totally brush over why that's important. That's kind of probably the most the most apparent theme in it because there are times where they literally ask, "Who are you, Lawrence? Who are you?" And he goes, "I don't know." And we have the guy screaming across the bank, "Who are you?" You know, so that's the yeah. little more the the overt uh, in your face themes with it. But there's one little moment here where if, if, if just in a casual watch, you, you might miss, but they're, they're in the tent. They're discussing about, about taking Aqaba and why the British are not interested in storming the, the seas. So they're all their, all their guns are pointed at the water. The British Navy has better things to do than to just take on this, these, those guns for no reason. And Lawrence kind of explains to Faisal 
and 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 the, the British officer that the British have such control because they're in charge of the water. They go where they want, therefore they can make what they do. That's their power. But the the Bedou have the desert, and that you can you can build your own British Navy in the desert and use the desert as your ocean and as your water, as your way to get where you need to go. And that's when he eventually comes up on going through the sun's anvil, attacking, attacking Aqaba where, where the, the guns are facing the wrong way and they can storm yeah. and take that. Aqaba by this, the land. Yeah, that's right. And, and there's a great moment there where you finally see the water in this movie. And we've seen so much sand. We, you know, we, we saw the, we saw England from the indoors in the beginning, but now we've seen all the sand and landscapes to, 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 for him to accomplish getting getting Akiba and then seeing that water and that shot of the ocean and he's Lawrence is riding his camel and he walks up onto the waves and the camel's walking along the waves so he's half in the sand and half in the water and he he gradually walks in toward the water so it, it you know just it's simplifying his the the piece of him that is now part of the desert and the piece of him that was that was British before that. And where he lies somewhere in between is a very cool part at almost the halfway part of the movie. That's one of the things that this I picked out this time around that I was just uh, really blown away by. It's just a, a, a really amazing scene. Yeah, no, it is. And the way that it and it's so funny because I feel like there are moments where he's he's like not seeking praise. Or, or like acknowledging that he did something great. Like when he when he goes back for Gassim, right? You know, nothing is written. Refuses to take water until he until it's Sheriff Ali who gives it to him, and it's it's a great little moment, right? But then there's the moment where Ali gives him the garlands, and it's like it's 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 customary to throw them into the water. But then he hops off of the camel to grab them, like as it like wanting to hold on to the accomplishment. Mm. But then he so quickly abandons that to go back to Cairo. Um, and and obviously we have everything that happens uh, on the way there. We lose. I I am not gonna lie. I I forget if it's Farage or Dayud who who gets pulled down. Yeah. Um, the but, quicksand. Yeah. But that happens. Um, and it this and 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 then we get to the one another lovely lovely shot where we see the big hill of sand and then the ship going by and it's this weird trying to make this image work of your head of a mm-hmm. ship going through what looks like sand. Another fucking brilliant shot. Um. But when they get back to Cairo, uh, I think like the next like 10 to 15 minutes before we hit intermission, like those 15 minutes alone should have gotten Peter O'Toole the Oscar. Uh, yeah. The way that he is stubborn and adamant uh, when he's in the officer's lounge, um, the way that he says he doesn't want to go back. Uh, I mean, he's he is putting on a clinic and um I remember thinking too, um, he, essentially when it feels like he's being tricked by Allenby to basically go back, the the eye acting that he's doing, and I, I hate saying eye acting, but it's the easiest way to describe it. But what what's actually happening? What good actors do is they're not just hearing their 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 scene mates say lines, they're 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 hearing every word and thinking about it, right? And it's and you're seeing him actively think about everything that's being said to him. And then you're seeing him also react internally. So all of the the thinking that's happening in in those moments, I don't want to say eye acting because it makes it sound like he's just looking around. Like the active right. listening and thinking that is happening when he's in um, Allenby's office is just like t- 
top notch. And then it's also so funny because then, the, and then again, like the who are you? The quick switch that he's, I mean, then he flips right back to, okay, well, we're going to need all this stuff. And he gets it all. I was like, oh, okay. And then like after intermission, the next time we see him is him with this big fucking smile on his face because he's just blown this track off of the rails. <laughs> and it's like, it, it's, it's fascinating. And it's, I can't help again. I can't, my, my, my good friend, Ian, I love you, buddy. Like part of the reason why he loved, um, Jake LaMotta in Raging Bull was that he was this mystery. He was this guy who you would never fully understand why he did the things that he did. But he also never changed. LaMotta never changed. And that was also an issue that I had. Lawrence, his changes are big and not always entirely motivated, but it's always interesting. And it's never, it's never like, I don't believe that. And watching him struggle through all of these choices is what I think makes O'Toole's performance just so everlasting yeah uh, very well said very well said and the the, the eye acting and he has a, a a pair of peepers that can do the, the eye acting too. he's got that <laughs> Those, yeah. he's got he's got a, a set of eyes on him it's uh you know it's one of those characters too that every time i watch the movie i learn a little more about and i i think a little differently about and that to me makes a great movie too. It's a movie that can be revisited and you can, you can alter your opinion on, on the characters and, and their journey. And I don't think it's as upfront. And like you said, a guy not changing, it's just, he's always this way. You wonder where the changes occur and how they occur and why they occur. And uh, I think it's why it's such a complicated and fascinating character to me. Well, and I remember I was, when I was watching it this week, I, when he it's he, he it's that moment where he's thinking it's it's like late at night and the two the two aides are kind of watching him and eventually he comes up with the idea Akaba from the land right and I wrote a note I said he this is when he's become Lawrence of Arabia to himself like I feel like th- like this is the idea this is the dawn of that for him and then when he's coming back from with Gassim and he's and like it well no it's not that moment it's. So he's proved himself there and then they've burned his clothes. Right. And then it's the next day he's in the yep. white and, and like everything kind of fits now. And he, he's, he asks if it's, if it's proper to bow back to the other men. And I was like, okay, now he's become Lawrence of Arabia to the men. And there's all of these moments where like more and more people accept that. And then we, and then we meet out Abu Dai and then we meet the, I, the, the Howitz and the, I, I'm going to get these names wrong. And this is like a standard thing mm-hmm. on a thousand one by one to just fuck up the pronunciations. <laughs> but, um, he, he, he keeps becoming Lawrence of Arabia to all of these people. And it, and it's these, and it's great. And he's really building the confidence. And then it's this weird moment where, where it's when he finally becomes Lawrence of Arabia to the British, that it really starts to, to go downhill. And the more the more and more people that accept him as Lawrence of Arabia, the more that that question of who are you gets more muddy um, and obviously gets thrown into question. I think the most where he says no prisoners and it's just like this. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I, we could talk a little bit about that, too, because like I the the scene that they stumble upon is is fucking terrible. It's gruesome and it's awful. And of course, of course they 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 want to seek justice and then i just remember writing is like it was like one group of people for another and like and i go this like nothing's changed and like and now it's like uh oh now that veneer of of you know quote unquote lawrence of arabia is it's starting to to go away 
Yeah, there's some, I mean, there's some key moments there where he, I, I guess this is the time to talk about the Jose Ferrer uh, rape scene. Let's do that, that, that's kind of a big That was one of and, That was one of the seven things. It's a pillar. We're at a pillar. Yep. All right, we're at a pillar. Let's let's talk this one. Ah, uh, wow, what a scene! And uh, Jose Ferrer has gone on to say that if that if you wanted to, if you wanted to ask him what he thought is the best example of his acting was, he he goes to this. Even though he originally complained he was in the movie for such a short period of time, went back and still thought it was his greatest work. Um, there's something about that scene, and it is the peak of Lawrence's egomania and the peak of him just thinking he can literally walk on water and that and that whatever he wants to accomplish he will and the men will back him and he will do it and then he kind of comes to the spot where he's i mean listen i mean it's not it's not done specifically in the movie but it's enough is done in a time where they could not film a rape on screen that he's he's raped and the 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 mechanism they use the coughing from Jose Ferrer and the, it's so creepy and so unsettling and just so effective to, to really kind of just take this, take the, the viewer to a totally different place that they were leading up to this moment of the movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the comp. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things going on, but, but it's obviously the coughing in, in the, in the, in the crack of the door um, before that, like his hand getting, really close to his nipple i mean that was it was just like right there and then the fucking smile on the guy's face who's holding his hands and like this is one of the like and and this movie had the budget if they wanted to like and not not just for this scene but like for everything like if they wanted to film something they probably could have but like one of the best cinematic devices that you can do is to infer and then not show or uh, tell, but don't show or whatever the fuck you want to say. Like, like our imaginations do the work and that's what makes it so much more like, Oh, like you don't even, you don't even want to know specifically because your mind does it for you. And that's, it was just, I, it's such a weird thing to say for such a f- terrible moment, but like that's brilliant filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, and it was, I mean, He's he loses he loses so much through that through that uh, that scenario there and when he's now he's essentially he's like all right I'm out that's it I'm done I'm done here uh, this is this is re- really raped me of my of my purpose here and he is now you know headed back and has the British clothes on again and is he's now convinced himself that he's just going to go back give me the transfer me I'm just going to be an ordinary guy. It's going to be an ordinary guy. And that's when Allenby says to him, he goes, well, listen, you're not an ordinary guy. Look at the papers. Look at this. And he has that that change in moment of what you brought this up before, where he he now realizes, OK, you know, um, all right, I am going to go back now. And now he's the guy screaming no prisoners because his 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 purpose as a leader has changed. His as earlier, earlier on, it was I can accomplish anything. I'm unstoppable. I'm, I'm going to convince the 300 to defend Thermopylae. No one is getting in my way. And then he experiences what he experiences with the Jose Ferrer character. And now he realizes he can't be an ordinary man anymore because of what he's built up to. So now his form of leadership that he's stepping into is this ruthless mercenary who is just stack me up with weapons, stack me up with vigilantes, these tribes that don't care about anything but the blood. 
and I'm going to take Damascus and I'm going to finish this job. But now the new Lawrence is going to do it. And it's boy, it's it's a turn. And and in this movie, as I said, at the, at the very dawn of this thing, it's a it's a two part movie, in in my opinion. And the first part is way more entertaining and and more of a fun adventure tale, where the second one is just more interesting as far as the depths that they get into with with the themes that they set up in the first. And boy, these bloody scenes really really hammer it home. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um... So we, we've kind of, we haven't really talked about uh, one of the actors in the movie and it, it leads to, you know, you know, hi- history is what it is and, and we can't really overshadow it. So the sixth of the seven things that I wanted to talk about was, um, figured this was coming up. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, that's the brown face. That's, um, yeah. that's, uh, Alec Guinness, uh, playing Prince Faisal. Um, and you know, and obviously it, it's, it's, you know, it's 2021 and, and, uh, I think we're all way more cognizant of things like this, but it's just one of those things where like the fact that they weren't even thinking about casting an Arab actor to play uh, Ali. I mean, they think they were looking at uh, Alan Delon from like La Samurai and some of Mel- some of the Melville films, um, to be that part. And, you know, I mean, and obviously you can take, you can take, uh, some, some knocks against the film because it's Anthony Quinn playing Abu Abu Dai, uh, if you want to, and that's fine too. Um, or Jose Ferrar doing it as well. But like, it's so, I don't know. And it's not that I necessarily even have a big problem with Alec Guinness doing it. I just find it really interesting when we want to go, it's not cool in that film, but it's okay in this one. Cause like I, in doing a lot of the research and reading some, even some contemporary stuff about it, it doesn't really get uh, talked about all that much, but yet when you think about Olivier or um, or uh, uh, Wells doing like Othello, it's like no, 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 that that's bad. You can't do that. But to me, this is just as egregious, and I don't. It's just I find it's just interesting what films and what moments and what actors and what characters you are you can you can do it and when where you can't. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously super complicated and I'm going to tip, tiptoe as much as I can here because I, I don't, I'm not looking to, to take a, take a major side here on this topic because clearly the role should have been played by a, a Middle Eastern actor. I mean, and I think that obviously today it would have been, I will say though that, and, and, and we want to talk about, about, um, Quinn and Ferrer who are both people, at least they're people of color. So there, there is some, you know, it's not like they're white British actors playing sure. all of these roles. Yeah. And the movie did employ a tremendous number of Middle Eastern actors. So they had people from, you know, from Pakistan and Egypt and, and, uh, and, and all over. So there were, if, if this were a movie where we just have a bunch of British people walking around pretending to, to be uh Bedou, like that's, a, that's like real rough. It, it, it is. It's an unfortunate knock in this movie. I've had to. I've had to explain. Not not explain this, but ha- I've had people come up to me before and say, "Well, what do you? What about Sir Al Guinness?" It is. It, it's a shame, also, because it is such a good character and yeah. it's such a well written character and important, uh, an important piece of the story. And you know, I, I get. I. Yes. It's it's a, it's a it's an unfortunate knock on the movie. I 
not sure where else to go with it from there. Um, I mean, it, it is very much of its time. Yes. It's very much of oh, its time. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and again, this isn't going to excuse anything, but the only, the closest thing that I can think of in terms of like, I get it is like, I, I'm an actor and I'd like to think that like, if you're going to give me a role, I can play it. You're going to give me this role. You got it. No problem. Um, I, I, I was in a show in grad school where I played two characters and the show was intentionally kind of absurd, but one of the characters I played was a four-year-old girl. Um, and it was ridiculous, but I, but I did it. I played it wholeheartedly and I became the character. And so if you're Alec Guinness, a classically trained, well-decorated actor, you probably aren't thinking about the repercussions of playing this role. You're going you think I can play the role? You got it. I'm going to show you I can play the role. And then, yeah, and then when you when you do the little bit of research, like he tried to uh, do Omar, not do Omar Sharif, but like he used him as inspiration to build the character. You know, it's like, if, well, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it as 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 well as I can. And so, yeah, this is a, you, you mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, but I don't think that there's anything that's happening in the performance that's egregious. Um, I, I tangent, but I, I just, so uh, there's a book that I have some of my students read in class and, and we talk about stereotypes because um, as actors, it's what I, where I believe is that it's okay to start from a stereotype, whatever the stereotype might be, as long as, is what we do is you, you burn through it, right? Whereas you start from the stereotype, but then through rehearsal and characterization and your own research, the stereotype goes away and you've now become the character start from the stereotype, but then it, it drifts away. And so had this just been like Alec Guinness doing a, like a really bad, like a uh, Indian accent. That's no good. That's, that's no good at all. But yeah, him doing his best to emulate Omar Sharif and being very subtle about it. There's nothing big outside of the makeup. There's nothing that's like a, there's nothing outwardly offensive about what he's doing it's just the fact that yeah he's a he's a white british guy playing this role but it's i think we would have been remiss to have not mentioned it in the conversation yeah, it had to be brought up and and, and it's i do not that this is an excuse for anything too but i think it should be mentioned also that Terrell guinness is in almost all of david lean's movies so he was gonna be in here at some point he probably should have played a british person you know but it I'm, I don't think it was done with the intent of I need I need Israel Guinness to play this role because I can't find someone to do it who can't do it who's who's of that descent. I think he viewed it as an important character and, and Israel Guinness, who's coming off as Oscar, is his go-to guy. He he put him in there to 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 keep the themes going the way he wanted to. It's it's a decision that hasn't aged very well, but I don't think it was done with any kind of uh, malicious intent because of the number of actors who are of Arabian descent and of Middle Eastern descent that are in the movie and that were employed in, in major spots as well. And yeah. you have Omar Sharif, who's Egyptian, who who was nominated for an Oscar for his role too. Yeah, so. oh, no, of course, of course. Um, and just and I also just think too, it, it's I mean this kind of this came up during our Quiet Man episode, but like it, people just weren't actively thinking about this kind of stuff back then. And that's no, again, no excuse, but it's also just true. They just, that just wasn't even a thought um, that, that, that would have even been an, an issue. Um, 
Uh, but speaking of um, who who could have played what, we haven't really talked about the fact that Albert Finney had the role of Lawrence. Um, yeah, and 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 unknown Albert Finney at that time, he was really just a stage actor. Well, and that's really that it seemed like. Well, it, no, that's not true. Spiegel, uh, Sam Spiegel, who produced wanted Marlon Brando, uh, which which didn't happen. Thank thank God that didn't happen. Thank God. Um, and yes. and that's and that's uh, on the waterfront. Godfather. I mean, I'm not knocking Marlon Brando, uh, but not not in this. Um, no. But uh, one of the things that I, I researched was that um, the audition tapes and the 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 stills of him of Albert Finney as Lawrence are the most requested items in the British archives, uh, <laughs> which I thought was just so great. It's like people just wanting to see him in in costume. Uh, which is great, and Albert Finney is, is fantastic as well. I'm sure I'm sure he would have knocked it out of the park, but it is one of those things now where it's like the role is so iconic. I don't know that I really could even imagine him as it. Yeah, that is great. That is great, and and he, Albert Finney is Captain's one of my least favorite Best Picture winners too, and Tom Jones. Yeah, which you, I think is a couple years later. You know, I uh, I I blind bought that Criterion because I'm such a I'm such a I'm whipped by Criterion and I I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but it, it will it'll it'll be watched eventually. I'll admit I only saw it once, about you know, ten fifteen years ago. So I just remember absolutely. I mean, it it, it would be my go to around that time when someone said, "Well, have you, is that, are any of them really bad?" And it was before I even saw Center of Summer Run. And I went, oh, yeah, Tom Jones, check that one out. But I will, we will be revisiting it, and I will give it a fair chance. So we'll see. All those Tom's, Tom Jones lovers out there. Good call, good call. I prefer I, the crooner. I was just going to say, it's also got an unfortunate <laughs> title. I mean, you, you can't even sidestep that. It's just it's just right there. It's not unusual. Um, okay, so, so um, I, I, I feel like there are a shitload. But if I had to twist your arm favorite shot well we touched upon either one that i would have said you know because i think that there's probably two easy answers and and i think maybe you know what defines how you're going to define a shot or, or where it is but it would the, the, the first place i would go if i had to only pick one it would be the match it would be the blowing out of the match and the cut to to um to to the sunrise in the desert and now if that's more of a cut and you wanted a specific shot then the shot would be the mirage shot of of Omar Sharif coming up through the uh, through the mirage and, and getting larger and larger and in in introducing his character. So those are the, and they're pretty much right in the same part of the movie. So they would definitely they'd be where I would go first. I think my so it, mine is the cut into the into the sunrise. But I think my my sneaky cheeky like you know I'm gonna zag kind of answer is uh, the opening top down shot of him getting ready to go on the motorcycle because we don't see anything else like Love that it. for like the rest of the movie. And I, I remember thinking too, like trying to think all like film analytically shit. Like this is like, it's, it's this weird, ob- obscured, awkward angle shot. And it, and we, and we never see, we never see him full on when we like, cause the first time that we see Lawrence's face is when he's actually on the motorcycle but even then, it's obscured with the helmet and the goggles. So the first time we actually see his face is when he's in the map room. But, you know, really making this, like, really digging deep. It was like, the first time that we see Lawrence, we haven't actually really seen him. Which, even from the beginning, this who are you question is being asked of us because we can't actually see him. Who is this guy? And yeah. I, I love that, that, is, that that's even happening 
before we've even heard a line of dialogue in the movie. And I thought it was, I think it's great. Yeah, uh, totally. I love that whole opening sequence is amazing. And I know that Ian always loved to talk about restorations and there's a big restoration with this movie where I think they got a lot of un, uh, unfound footage or, the, you know, footage that they didn't have and they had to piece together. They literally brought the actors back in 25 years later and dubbed over some of the some of the lines and one of the one of the pieces that they were able to put back in that they thought they had lost was that shot of the goggles yes right after he crashes the motorcycle man i know david lean was really fired up about about getting that one in there so uh the whole the whole sequence is is really memorable for me just from the first watch just being like that that overhead shot where he's prepping up the motorcycle like wait a minute what what's what is this this isn't been her and i just um, I, I just gotta <laughs> say again i just i just want to say it again the the 4k restoration of this movie is bananas mm. it's it's just it's just it's it's sumptuous i mean you can you can fucking taste it off the screen it's just ah it's magnificent it was just beautiful <laughs> wow yeah and and one last word on the motorcycle thing i actually like unintentionally when i watched this for this i unintentionally double featured this with russell crowe's unhinged from 2020 <laughs> <laughs> the road rage movie which have you seen unhinged no not yet not yet okay it's, 90 minutes of pure insanity. and But it's just one of those heart rate movies, you know, where your heart rate is up the whole time. You can yeah. be like falling asleep after drinking NyQuil and you will be up wide awake watching this thing. And going right from that to the motorcycle race, I'm like, oh my God, about this, here we go. We got a motorcycle chase here. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was already in car chase mode. So I was ready to ready to rock and roll with the start of this one. So uh, that, that kind of ties in uh, to uh, at least the last planned thing that I definitely wanted to talk about before, before we attempted to wrap up, whatever that means, um, which is the ending. Um, so, uh, you know, Lauren, uh, uh, Lawrence is, is leaving. He, he's going back home and he's, um, he's in the Jeep and the guy's like, you're going home. He's like, what? You're, you're going home. And he's like, Oh, everything's jolly. Yeah. And, um, and he thinks, I, I imagine he thinks he sees, um, Ali and it's not and he sits back down and then the, the the motorcycle kind of passes him which I think is great that's a that's a lovely really long payoff at the end but then we we just end and I guess and I'm still working through this too so this is such a big honestly bullshit question I'm going to ask you but what what do you make of the ending of the movie well I mean, I love the ending myself. I, I think it's an intentionally anticlimactic ending, of course. And it speaks to everything that this character had to experience on the highest level of the military, essentially. You know, he's leading, he's leading uncharted military challenges to... <laughs> to invoke I, things that have never even I, been accomplished I, I know. before. We, we never even mentioned that he like, he goes for, like to captain to major and he like, he's like, don't please, he doesn't say this. But like, please don't do that. Please don't promote me. And they just, they just <laughs> fucking do it anyway. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the, it's the retirement of, of anyone coming home from the military. It's that you see shit that you didn't think you'd ever see you experience adrenaline at a level you never thought you'd reach. And now you're just coming home. And what now? And we don't have much of an answer for that for Lawrence. You know, we're left to, we're left to wonder what now we see the motorcycle and we know he's gonna, he's gonna get into riding motorcycles and, and, and whatnot. But there is, 
there is an emptiness that, that's left there that I think a lot of that will be explored in other movies if you're talking about soldiers coming home from war. And it is alluded briefly in the dialogue where, you know, oh, what are you, what are you just going to, you know, Lawrence is going to go home and sit in a cottage and go fly fishing, which is essentially what the real life Lawrence ended up doing. He just lived in a, coll- a cottage in, in either Wales or, or I'm not good with my British provinces there, but uh, that's essentially what he would end up to do. So, yeah, I think that after experiencing this giant epic masterpiece of a movie we're left with this kind of empty whoa it's just the dusty road home now uh, so i i love that stuff uh i i, I get anyone shaking their fists at it though no and it definitely was i mean and again it had been god i the, i my experiences with the movie beforehand i, I don't even want to count as real watches because they just they weren't very good but there was and again i'm trying to maybe i'm overthinking this movie too much but uh, there was something about um, this again. I'm going back to this scene because it's just it's just fucking masterful filmmaking. When he's with Dryden, and you know you have a weird sense of fun, and he's like, "No, it's Dryden. It's going to be fun." And he has the match, and he and it, but it's it's a it's a it's a hard cut. It's a quick cut, um, to the desert, and like and and we've heard that this is going to be fun, and that it's going to and that he's going to have an adventure. And then at the end of it, we don't end on a cut we end on a, a slow fade and there really aren't a lot of fades in the movie at all. And I know it's kind of traditional to end with a fade. Uh, it's, it's a bit jarring to end your movie on a cut, but there is something about the, the length of that slow fade and that it doesn't slow fade to anything except for the end. And I, I, I think that, that that slow fade is such an antithesis to the hard cut of the fun that he's gonna have that it it does work for me. I just I just remember thinking too that like we're ending with such a whimper. And I know that I know that's intentional, yeah. but it's just it's so I don't know. It's it just it's so funny for this movie to be so grand and so epic and then it's just it's over and it's obviously it has to end. It's almost fucking four hours long, but the way that it does, it's it's I'm not disheartened, but I'm almost like Oh, and, and maybe that's, that's the idea. It's like, oh, and, it, and it's, you know, his life was over before we knew it and, and such is life. But it was just this, this, this moment, it was just a weird moment. And I, I'm still kind of working through, like, I definitely, I definitely didn't not like it, but I'm still working through it on my own. Yeah. That's amazingly well said The the cut on the entrance to the fade at the end. I didn't even think about that. That's, that's, that's awesome stuff. I love that. And one, one thing that I, that I was taken aback by a little bit, this viewing that I had never thought in any previous viewing before and that is the the last time we see omar sharif's character and his exit because his exit is a little sooner than some of the exit of some of the other characters but we talked about his grand entrance and him leading his way up to the well and then he gets to the shoots lawrence's guide and and lawrence he was my friend and and it was kind of that moment where before that lawrence knew his guide and his guide was his friend and he gave him the the pistol or, or, you know, he he gave him a a gift. And because he made friends with his guide, he knew everything there was to know about the culture of the people there. And he knew everything there was to know. And and there was a, there was a real naivety to the character there where I'm just going to go to the desert and it's going to be fun. And when we see Sharif, when we see Sharif Ali for the first time, he gets off the course and very callous, callously explains to him 
the reality of the politics around here. You are welcome to drink from that well. He's not. He knew that. He's nothing. The well is everything. Very simply explaining it to him, and and that's that. Now, when we see Omar Sharif's character leave yeah. and exit, he's headed to the same part of the screen. He has his last exchange with 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 Lawrence, and he heads he heads back to the back of the screen, the same back of the screen that he came from. And then he's outside, and he's now going to speak with um, Anthony Quinn's character. Yeah, Auda and Auda, and he's now Sharif Ali has these aspirations to be a big politician now and he's heading off and he pulls the knife on Quinn and he goes, Oh, you're not all a politician yet. Quinn reminds him of the politics of the tribes before Omar Sharif exits too. So as he enters, he's the one explaining the politics of the tribe as he exits, he needs them re-explained to him as he goes. And, and his journey is, is well encapsulated in that too. I think. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, you know, the whole scene of the, of the, that council kind of failing because you have a bunch of people essentially not wanting to listen to each other. Uh, very apropos for today, something that has aged terribly well, uh, because it's just same shit, different day. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, that's, 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 that's very true. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, and I, I also, it was, so, it's so biting, the way that um, uh, Allenby and Dryden and Faisal are talking about Lawrence after he leaves the room, you know, we're basic, we're all glad to see him go. Right. And it's just this, everybody's yeah. kind of, and, and like, and, and Brighton, who's been kind of the, not bumbling, but like this sort of side character who kind of gets, kind of gets laughed at a few times. Like he's so, I, there's like, he truly appreciated Lawrence and, and I think respected what he did and just the the way in which he reacts. I thought it was a great little moment for his guy. And that's the thing too. Like all of these characters get their moments. And 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 that might seem obvious in such a long movie, but like they all have a, a scene to shine. And, and obviously we talked about Jose Ferrar, who's in it for minutes and like mm-hmm. steals, steals a chunk of yeah. the movie. Um yeah. Fucking hell of a cast. Hell of a cast. Yeah, unreal. And and I think we'd be, you know, we'd It'd be a loss if we didn't say how many directors that this movie's influenced too. And you can go down the list of any of the major ones, whether it's it's Spielberg or or Peckinpah, Scorsese, Kubrick, whatever it is. I mean, this is a movie where people will go to to pull out their ideas and pull out their thoughts, whether that's from the actual characters or the themes of the movie, or just this the physical nature of how it's shot and yeah. how it sounds or the score. And the score. I mean, we've brought it up a little bit, but. Yeah. My God. I mean, it's it's I, I think that this movie could be if you did like a Rushmore of Oscar categories, it could be in six or seven yeah. different or at least in the discussion, That's whether true. it's score, whether it's film editing, yeah. whether it's a director, cinematography, cinematography yeah. you know, yeah, it's it's there for quite a few of them for the wins. And, well, and, and, and Maurice wasn't even supposed to score the whole thing on his own. I mean, I, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but like basically through a series of unfortunate events, the other two people who were supposed to do it didn't do it. And so he created these themes and were just like, oh shit, yeah, okay, you're going to do the, the whole thing. And, and obviously he does the, um, ends up doing the score for uh, Dr. Shivago as well. Um, so yeah, he, there you go. Um, oh, there was something you said I really wanted to respond to. And I, it's gone. It's gone. That's okay though. That, that's the problem with this movie. Is there's yeah, there's, there's there's just too much. Um 
there's so much I could say. There's so much I could say about it. And, uh, fortunately, I will have an opportunity to do it again with uh, with Best Picture Guest. Exactly. And and you and you guys definitely have a forum in which you can. Uh, I mean, I was I was talking to Melissa beforehand, and she was like, "How long are some other episodes?" I go, "Well, I think Rocky was almost four hours." So, um, <laughs> so so I think you have more of an outlet to to really really go into it. Um, but yeah, it, and this one will be a this one will be a two parter. This will be our first two parter. Well, so there you go. Makes sense. There you it go. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, I I think we're to the 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 painfully obvious question time, which is Kieran, do you think that Lawrence of Arabia should be in the book? I think in a book of one thousand and one movies you must see before you die, you bet your ass is gonna be there. And here's gonna be my next statement. If the book was one movie you should see before you die, <laughs> Lawrence Arabia should be in it. So there you go. I was gonna I wasn't gonna go as far. I was gonna say if you take out a zero and make it a hundred and one, but but I hear you. I hear you. Um I I agree. I, I absolutely think this should be in the book. And you know, I I I I have a taste in movies. I I really like thrillers. I really like crime. I like I like stories kind of being flipped on their head. My favorite movie comes from the same year as Shawshank. It's Pulp Fiction, um, ninety four, just a banger year. Um, oh yeah. But my my general appreciation for films of this nature, and what I mean by that is big, epic, sweeping movies, are generally either no. I'm good or yes. And, and this is a yes. This is absolutely a yes. For, and again, for all of the reasons that we said, and to be quite frank, all of the reasons that we didn't. And this is one of those movies that is, you know what? Actually, I think you said it the best. And I'm, I'll just quote you again, which is that if you were to do a Mount Rushmore per category, this movie has a strong running for most of its wins. And then to be quite honest, some of its losses as well. Uh, so, so for all of those reasons, I mean, for literally every aspect of this movie is exactly why you should watch it. And, uh, it, and, and no surprise that this was a favorite of Ian. I know if we were talking, if, if he was here, he would have been running the show. This would have been one where I would have, I would have, I would have sat back and reacted more. Um, I, honestly, with all of these, um, and and uh, people already know what's coming up in the season, and I think every single one of these movies would have been one that that he would have been leading. Um, so, uh, I you know I hope that we would have said the things that he would have said or gave gave homage to the things that deserve it. Um, uh, but Kieran, thank you so much. For taking some time, you're on the East Coast, so it's fucking almost eleven there. I appreciate you so much uh, uh, talking about this movie with me. Of course, it was an absolute honor. I I would have would have absolutely loved to to hear what Ian had to say about it, and that would have been my preference. But to uh, to, to be invited on this was was a great honor, and uh, I uh, appreciate anyone who listened. And I hope I hope we both did this movie justice as good as we could. It was. Uh, it was an undertaking and one that was that was giving me stress coming into this, but I'm I'm happy that I got to do this with you. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Um, so, and again, uh, would do you want to take just a, a quick second to talk about Best Picture Cast and, and where they can find you? Absolutely, Best Picture Cast. We are on anywhere you stream your podcasts. We're on social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're on Letterbox at Best Picture Cast. We do a deep dive roundtable. These movies we 
kind of, you know, sometimes we go beat by beat, scene by scene. Other times we're going to just talk more in general, but we have fun with it. We don't take ourselves too seriously. It's a, it's a round table forum. There's usually three or four of us. We're having a couple drinks and we're having fun with it. You know, we, tr- we try not to, uh, to tick anybody off too much. Sometimes we don't succeed in that, in that <laughs> avenue, but uh, it's, it's a, it's a fun forum and it's just friends talking about movies. So it's a good way to check it out. So it's best picture cast. Adam, I believe you're going to be coming on uh, one pretty soon, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to, I, I won't tip it specifically, but when I was talking about epics that I generally lean away from, that'll be one that I'm on. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. I <laughs> uh, can't wait for that. And uh, we also do some fun stuff on social media too. We're, we're in the middle of a, of a, uh, of a, a sub 50 tournament where we pick uh, all movies under 50%. You were involved in that one and Melissa was involved in that one as well. And I think we're, we're getting closer to finding out what that movie's going to be. And uh, so we were always doing something different on social media. So you can check us out and have some fun with us, even if you don't like listening to the, uh, the deep dive podcast. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's very much all over the place. Great categories. You, you touch a bunch of stuff as you go through. So yeah, absolutely. Check it out. Uh, it's a fun listen. Um, so yeah, there you go. And, and you can find us thousand one by one uh, Twitter and Facebook um, uh, thousand one by one at gmail.com. Uh, all of those things. Let us know what you think about Lawrence of Arabia. Is this as good as it is? Where does it fall in terms of the goat? Is it in the goat conversation, Mount Rushmore, whatever term you want to use? Uh, let us know and uh, stay tuned next week as uh, the next film that we'll be doing, we'll be jumping two years into the future, discussing a film that I have never seen, that Ian, uh, at least once a month, told me that I should see, and uh, that is going to be John Sturgis's The Great Escape. That'll be next week. Um, uh, again, Karen, one more time, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, and until next week, uh, my name is Adam, and... Uh, We will see you next week. Bye.